Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Welcome back, fellas, to Man Challenge, uh, second week of our Be the Branch series. We are looking at the next four verses in John 15, verses 5 through 8 today, but I want to reiterate quickly last week some of the stuff we talked about as we dove into this metaphor that Jesus is sharing with his disciples, but also with us 2,000 years later, uh, explaining who, who he is, who his father is, and who we are in light of that. So he claims to be the true vine, uh, the source of life, the, um, the source of hope and truth for the world. He says his father is the vine dresser or uh, the gardener who, who sends the vine, but who also tends the branches, you and I, by pruning or taking away um, the branches based on if they are abiding and bearing fruit or not abiding and not bearing fruit. Today we'll get into a little bit more of the practical side about how to abide, uh, what that looks like in our day-to-day walk um, for those of us who are Christians and what it might look like for those of us who are interested or yearning to know Christ and to walk with Him. So with that said, Sam, will you read the verses, John 15, 5 through 8, and then pray for us? Sure. Uh, Starting in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your, your written word, uh, and I thank you that all scripture is breathed out by you, and it is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good word. Everything we need uh, in you is given to us, and we thank you for that. Uh, so Lord, a- as we look at your word today, um, I pray that John's ultimate hope in writing this down for us will be realized, that we will see you for who you are, Jesus, uh, and that in knowing who you are, we might have life in your name. This is only possible by the work of your spirit, so we, we ask for your, your help and your work in that, Lord, and we ask that in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 So last week we, we did, we talked a little bit about abiding, about bearing fruit. We defined our terms, but we briefly mentioned um, what it means for Christ to abide in us. And he says again here in verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So first, Burke, will you hit, what's it mean for Christ to abide in us? Uh, Emmanuel, right? G- uh, God, God in us, God... Um God through us uh, is only offered through the power of the Holy Spirit, which we receive when we profess that faith um, in the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, uh, you know, Scripture talking about ask and 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 you, 
you will receive, you know, seek and you will find. It, James talks about uh, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And um, to me, the, the hope of our faith is that we believe in a God that loves us personally, that wants relationship with us. Uh, he showed us that, again, through the death of Jesus. And um, so it's, it's not this, I love lens, right? It's not just this lens of like, hey, abide in me. Yeah. It's like, I'm in you. Like, and what a, what a motivation to stay connected to the vine, knowing that he's offering us himself. That's good. Uh, daily, practically, uh, so that we can be image bearers and, and bear much fruit in his name. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that verse from James, that it, you know, us drawing near to him and he drawing near to us. I think it's a really good picture of what abiding mm-hmm. looks like. It is pursuing the Lord. And again, we'll talk about the, the handlebars it takes to ride that bike today. Um, but it, uh, abiding and bearing fruit, metaphorical terms, this is a, a big metaphor that Jesus is really running with, Sam, can you succinctly define again um, what's an abide? What's a bear fruit? What does that mean, you know, maybe outside of the lens of metaphor? Sure. Uh, so last week we said that to abide is, is to remain, to trust, to put your weight into, uh, to, to stay with. Uh, and we said that fruit, a great list that wasn't comprehensive, but a good list we said was found in Galatians 5. Uh, and it looks like things like peace and kindness and patience and gentleness uh, and love. And so when we, when we are resting in, and staying attached to and connected to the vine, Jesus, the true vine, the fruit of that relationship, of that connection, looks like a peaceful life, a joyful life. Uh, not, not a shallow joy and peace, but an, an authentic that's not dictated by your circumstances. Um, another way you could say it is that, that that's where ultimately the audio and the video line up. Like if we, we profess to be in Christ, then the video, our life, will will be evidence of that. Mm-hmm. James says something like that too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's Jesus kind of reiterating a lot of what we talked about last week in the in the beginning part of that verse. But I I want to remind you guys, as we study God's word, you might be listening to this in podcast. You you might be watching on a video. But I urge you put put God's word in front of you. Look through this yourself because the the last part of this verse has the word for. It says, for, apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus has said the same thing again, but he's extended that. He's expanded that uh, and maybe uh, grown the reality of the severity of what it means to abide and bear fruit. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Which, if you're a cynic like me, you're like, well, watch me throw this pin. Who stopped me from it? Yeah, apart I can from do a lot me, of things. Yeah, apart from me, you can do nothing. What is, what is Jesus actually communicating there? Nothing that lasts, nothing that bears fruit, nothing that points people to the Father. Uh, fair? Yeah. You know, the, 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 it goes back to our purpose, okay? So if your purpose is to make God known and to show his love to others, apart from him, you can show love to others uh, but not make him known because your motives could be uh, self-serving or uh, downright hurtful, harmful, whatever, yeah. um, with the, with the uh, guise of good. You know, it could be not good. It could be good in a moment. It could look good. It could actually uh, be helpful to, to certain people. But it, again, we're all in the context here of making God known and staying connected to a purpose that is 
uh, for his glory. And so apart from that, you can't do it. Yeah, I think that's good that you draw that. You build a bridge there to purpose because, mm-hmm. I mean, God created in an overflow of There's a lot of, of people that do a lot of good things uh-huh. not making Jesus known. Yeah. And that doesn't make them not good. It just means they're not going to last in God's economy. In eternity. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, I think, the eternal God created for us to enjoy him, mm-hmm. to know him, and to your point, to make others uh, aware of his goodness and how they can enjoy him. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're called to that. That's the purposeful fruit that lasts. Um, but what would you all say gets in the way of our, our perceiving the reality of apart from him, we can do nothing? I think in our culture, just the American dream, that, that we're surrounded by ideologies and things and people that are actively, whether knowingly or not, actively discipling us to believe, work harder, you can achieve this, that will make you happy. Work harder, achieve this, that will give you intrinsic worth. Do like, good. Right. People will, will respect you if you accomplish this. It is about like what we can do in and of our own uh, effort, sweat, blood, whatever, and that gives us value, that gives us mm-hmm. uh, esteem, that gives us clout with those mm-hmm. around us. That's what our society tells us. And then Jesus says, hey, outside of me, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Anything, to Burke's point, ultimately, you, you can't really accomplish anything. If, if, in the words of James, we've quoted him a lot, if this life is a mist, mm-hmm. if it's a puff, then outside of Jesus, ultimately, we, we can accomplish nothing. Yeah, and I think modern-day standards are changing so fast that if we don't have a source of truth, then uh, where do we go? You know, if, 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 our, if our house isn't built on the foundation of Christ and the truth of God uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit, then, uh, you know, what we did that we thought was good over here Six months from now, somebody might say that's not good anymore. And then you're like, well, wait a second. Okay, well, but my definition of truth has changed. Like, well, no. Definition of truth is true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, practical application of some of those truths might ebb and flow. But uh, to me, it's, a, it's such a source of foundational yeah. wisdom and stability to have your source of what is good, what is right, what is, what is noble, what is lovely in, an, in the unchanging word of God. So yeah, so let me let me apply this real quick because I think we can look at a verse like this and be like, why is that Jesus guy seems kind of puffed up? <laughs> let me ask: Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you trying really, really hard? Are you doing a lot of the right things and seeing some <clears throat> lack thereof, a fulfillment? Um, that's on the other side of another action, another pursuit, another goal, another person, another moment. Jesus here is making clear, um, if you want fulfillment, if you want joy, if you want hope, if you want love, if you want purpose, he says it in in Matthew, uh, he says it in Isaiah, he says, come to me, you who are thirsty, you who are weary, you who are burdened, I'm your hope. And so I think to apply that, this is Jesus getting really clear with us about the gospel. We have an eternal need, and he says, hi, Philippians 4.19, I promise I'll fulfill it. And not in a proud way, but in a loving way, because I, I want what you need to be fulfilled, and it's me. And it's not in his pride, it's out of the enjoyment of who God is, overflowing into his love for humanity. 
Verse 6. We got we to keep moving. I mm-hmm. could talk there for a little bit. Verse 6. So Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Um, so we're back to the results of whether we're abiding or not abiding and what that means for us. Sam, hmm. um, what does this metaphorical terminology actually communicate ab- about what Jesus is saying? I think it validates what verse 5 says. If 5 is true, then 6 must also be true. If, hmm. if, if the only way to be fruitful is to be connected to Jesus, then if you're not connected to Jesus, you would wither and die. If that's the only source of life, then outside of him, the reality must be death. Uh, and so this, this brings up a doctrine that rubs a lot of feathers uh, and rustles a lot of people internally. And it, it's that of what we would say judgment. Uh, and if we remember back to last week, let, let's clarify. We talked about at the very end of last week that there are, are, are fruitful branches and there are unfruitful branches. And the fruitful ones, the vine dresser, the gardener, the farmer, God, trims those so that they may produce even more. We're not talking about those branches. We're talking about branches that are not fruitful. Branches here are branches not connected to the vine. So that's where the God eliminates those and removes them and separates them. If they won't, don't want to be connected, he, he takes them out. And, and the metaphor, the imagery is that they are burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, if God is who he claims to be, like if he really is good, if God is love, if all good things come from him, then apart from him, there can be nothing good. There can be no life. Uh, and so we, we talked a lot about the imagery of fathers loving their sons when we talked about pruning last week. Uh, and we said that we want what's best for our kids. And so even though it can be painful at times, we want to give them what's best for them because we know what's best. So in, in under this umbrella of judgment, an imagery that may be helpful there is the realization that Sin causes death. Like the wages of sin is death is what scripture says. So if God is my father and if he loves me, he doesn't want sin for me. He wants to prune me and keep me from that. But the result is a God who is not cavalier about sin. If I choose that that is what I want and I don't want to be connected to the vine, he'll give me what I've asked for, but the result is death. And so... We, we don't like the idea of judgment, and it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. But the truth is, it's an overflow of God's love. If he truly wants what's best for us, then he will be serious about that which would harm, that which would kill mm. his children. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what we see here in this this imagery, I think. And I think, I think there's a couple reasons we are a bit jarred by a verse like this, that a God who is good and loving could also be a God who brings wrath. So I want to... I want to give you a quote from a really, really intellectual guy who's seen a lot of suffering Mm. and then kind of talk about maybe two reasons why we are prevented from seeing that verse and understanding that a a good God is also a just God. Um, Miroslav Volf was a Croatian theologian. He's still alive. You can follow him on Twitter. Very smart guy. Croatian. Um, But saw ethnic cleansing in his country. Saw a horrible war. And here's what he had to say about God's judgment and his wrath, his justice. He said, though I used to complain about the indecency of the idea of God's wrath, I came to think that I would have to rebel against a God who wasn't wrathful at the sight of evil. So if evil is what it truly is, 
He said, God isn't wrathful in spite of being love. God is wrathful because God is love. This is someone who saw sin so clearly that he, he knew God's need for bringing justice upon sin. And I, I would say that leads into our first kind of spiritual reality that we misperceive that prevents us from seeing God's goodness and his justice as one and the same is that we don't see sin as it truly is. We, well, we, 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 we see that kind of sin that, that, that Volv's talking of. Uh-huh. We, we can see that. We can agree with that. That's, genocide. That's right. or, yeah, like that, you know, just awful oppression or. Yeah. Um, but know. I'm not that bad. Right. Like that's different I, than I'd that. Never, I'd never that's, do that's that. That's right. That's right. And we say, yeah, yeah, would God bring wrath on me because I lied? Mm-hmm. Or not even me. Because sometimes we can beat ourselves up on mm. Aunt Nancy or what. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. she's good. And so, again, not to equate all sin, by the same token, apart from God, we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, all sin is treason. It's a betrayal of, you're putting yourself at war with God. And so we are either reconciled mm-hmm. to being a part of the benevolent Father's family, or we're at war with Him and at war against God, being at enmity with the creator of the universe, he says, I'm, I'm going to be just because I'm good. I bring that because we uh, undervalue sin. C.S. Lewis has a, has a really good quote. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Hmm. Meaning, if we don't submit ourselves to God and his plan for us, if we don't say as Jesus did in the garden, Lord, your will be done. I trust you as the God and creator of the universe. If we oppose, if we betray, if we abandon, if we move into rebellion, if we depart from the giver of life itself, we're choosing death. Romans one twenty four talks about that. God gives the people over to their desires. You chose death, I'm going to let you have it. That's the, the worst thing God can do to us is let us want or get what we really wanted. Second thing is, I think we misunderstand or maybe devalue the holiness and goodness of God. Can you talk a little bit about that, Sam? Good grief. Uh, J.C. Ryle has a book called Holiness. It's about 600 pages, and I can't succinctly summarize any of that. I would say, (laughs) simply put, uh, God's holiness is that he is set apart. He is so other than us, sin, a fallen world, anything broken, anything bound by time, anything that decays, anything that's uh, self-seeking is so unlike him. Like he is so pure. He's so powerful. He is all-knowing. He's everywhere. There's nothing like him. Like we are made in his image. We're probably the closest thing. Like the creation reflects the creator, Mm -hmm. but we are so unlike him. Like I can't speak galaxies into existence. Like his, his power, his might, his goodness is so much His beyond. Perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's so much beyond my comprehension. He is so other than, yet we are cavalier about him, and, and we push him aside and we think, well, my ways are best, mm-hmm. and I want to do its best for yeah, me. Yeah, we do get to see his heart through the Gospels. Mm. Right. And we do know that we are all, all, we are all created in his image. And so we can just get these glimpses when we see these certain, whether it's creation, the, the natural world or humanity, we get these glimpses of maybe just a peek into his his greatness and his holiness yeah. uh, and his goodness. And that's, I think, the reality is 
it's easy sometimes in America to see God as a mean school teacher smacking people who mm-hmm. do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is he created out of love. Like we exist because he wanted us to enjoy the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And so when we overestimate our own goodness and underestimate his, we can let this verse kind of misshape our view. And let me say one more thing just about judgment here. And so many of us hate the idea of being told we'll be punished, that we're wrong, that there is a right other than what our opinion is. And scripture tells us that one day every single knee will bow and confess who God is. That's essentially what the C.S. Lewis quote was. Whether you say it now voluntarily or at the end where there is no denying who's sitting on the throne in power and might. It's going to happen. So this isn't us saying, oh, look, we have the truth and everybody else is wrong. This comes from verse 5 where he's just said, if you're in me, I'm in you. The context is love. He doesn't start off with, hey, if you don't do this, we're going to throw you in the fire. Mm -hmm. That's not how this analogy breaks down. Rather, he says, abide in me. I'll abide in you. You'll bear much fruit. Also, if you're not in me, here's what that looks like. He doesn't leave it unspoken. He says it, he's clear, uh, but it's in the context of love where he talks judgment. Mm -hmm. So we'll either abide and see and taste his goodness in love, in relationship with him, or we don't abide and still see his goodness and love Mm -hmm. in his righteous judgment, in his justice. That's a good word. Verse seven, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you stay uh, apart from me, Uh, You'll be thrown away, but if you abide in me, in verse 7, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This can be, I'm going to get one thing out of the way quick here. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for Mm. you. Um, This can be, there are a handful of these verses in God's word that just seem like, rub that lamp and the magic genie's given you three big wishes. All I've got to do is abide, and then God's got to give me what? I want. I'm painting him into that corner and I'm about to have money and whatever you think you would ask God for. I don't want to entertain that too much. Um, but this is an opportunity when we come to verses like this that can be a little confusing to let scripture interpret scripture. When we come to God's word, there are, there are one-liners that people throw at you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Hey man, ask whatever you wish. Says it. Go for it. And, and the reality is... Um, There's a context to that, and God's revealed it. He's revealed himself Mm -hmm. entirely through his word. And so we look elsewhere. We learn what does God have uh, in all of his word. Is it really true? Can I just ask whatever I want and I'm going to get it? Hey, can I have a million? Maybe two million would be nice. Mm -hmm. Psalm 37.4 says this, brings lots of clarity. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hmm. Meaning, as we learn, as we abide... As we learn to love the Lord, he will give us what we desire, which is him. So as as we abide in Christ, we're going to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. We will pray in alignment with God's will because we're being shaped by him. It's the same way in a marriage relationship. You not only learn what your your spouse wants, but after years, you learn to want what's best for them. Mm. I want that too. And so as we delight in the Lord... We can come to him because we now know what he wants and we can ask for it and see him give fruitfully. Um, does that make sense there? Do I need to say anything yeah. else about that? No. Okay. Two things in this verse. You got something? No, Burke's just funny. And okay. Well, I just, I, we know this to be true in so many different relationships. Like, you know, Sam's, hey, Burke, 
man, anything you need, let me know. Like, hmm. there's a context to what he's saying there. It's like, okay, well, along <laughs> these lines, would in you move the, out for the next passage, week? Right? Sarah and I want to hang at a new spot. So if y'all don't mind moving out tonight, we're going to – uh, that's not what I meant. Like, right. yeah, that, when I said like anything, anytime, like I meant like if you want to call and talk, like. Give well, me he call. just <laughs> said, you, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, surely there's all sorts of things we could do, but what's he talking about mm-hmm. in the context? You can do nothing apart from me. Mm-hmm. Ask anything. Yeah. That's right. Clearly, the there's a, a specific right. thing that's he's right. talking, and that's it's right. fruit. Right. Yeah. Two other parts of this verse that I want us to catch is we get to see a little bit of the practicalities of how we abide. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you want to underline that, if you don't count it heresy to write in your Bible, ask whatever you wish. So my words abiding in you and asking whatever you wish. We see God's word and we see prayer. Berkosaurus, be as practical as you can. How do you abide in Christ by letting his words abide in you? I mean, I, I just, I, I, de- I have a desire to obey. Obey what? His, his, his commands, his teachings, his um, professed purpose in my life. I have a desire to um, obey that and knowing that uh, his love language is obedience. And so uh, how do I practically abide? I, I, I make time in my daily schedule to be with him, to meet with him, to hear from him, to let his word uh, penetrate my heart. And then throughout the day, I, I, I try to, to the degree with which my simple nature allows me to, stay, remain in him and abide in him so that I can be present in the situations in my life where I really have a chance to bear fruit. And I don't, I'm not going to let you... Um I'll help you. You're not going to talk about this yourself, but before we had this conversation, Burke was talking about a situation that he was in, in which God's word was abiding in him. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to catch the equation here. Um, when he says obedience, trust, commitment to God's love language by his word, what he's saying is every morning at what time? Uh, not always the same, but, but you know, ish. yeah. It, you get where yes. at what time? Six to eight a.m. Doesn't yeah. have to be then. Yeah. You go where? I go to my tub, which is a bathtub. You don't have to go there, but and you open up what? God's word. God's word. Yeah. And he's and he's bound by it. And the fruit that I've seen as a brother comes from. He said a situation. I was in a situation and a conversation in the middle of the day, and what came to mind was God's word. In in a number of different forms too. Like again, back to the context, like. This piece, that piece, that, like, they were all finding themselves into one situation. It's like, thank goodness. And, and, you know, I think about it in my jock terms, but, like, my son plays quarterback. I run the offense. Like, we design a play. Hey, but this is the way this play is supposed to go down so that when you're in this situation and we don't block the D end and he's all up in your grill, like, you've got to know where to go with the ball. The play can still work even when we're in conflict because it's been designed properly to work even when things go sideways. I've, I've prepared, right, Yeah. for this play not to work in a perfect world. If it does, we're going to hit a home run. If it doesn't, we got a nice little auxiliary route, right? God has prepared a way for us, hmm. and he's going to prune us, and the world's sinful and broken around us. Things are going to go sideways, and when it does, abide. 
and it will go well. It might not always be comfortable. It might not always yeah. produce like worldly results that the way the world would define success, but uh, it will go well for you when you abide. How do we abide? Abide. We have his word yeah. and it's hidden in our heart. And yeah, John 5, 39, Jesus makes clear that God gave us his word, not just as a manual, but to reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. And so we come to God's word to better know him. If you are... Uh, a table leader, you've got a booklet, page five. We've got some questions as you come to God's word to ask of him so that you can know him better. If you're uh, getting our emails, we've dropped a, a PDF of this guide here. Page five in there has questions every time you come to God's word to help you abide in him. Another way to do that, Sam, is not just reading scripture, studying scripture, but memorizing it, which is a little bit of what you had hinted at in abiding. It's in you. It's on your tongue. It's on the front of your mind. Um, Talk a little bit about scripture memory for you. Have you pursued that as a discipline? Uh, Most recently, maybe some of you all uh, were involved with this, but over the summer we did like a 40-day challenge where we practiced different spiritual disciplines, one of which was memorizing scripture. So I, I, along with Burke and a number of other guys, memorized Psalm 1. uh, And that was so well-timed because now in the face of politics, a pandemic, and constant protests, man, to have the imagery... Uh, of of a man who meditates on the law of God day and night, who is like a tree planted beside waters. Um, that ha- the Lord has used that in this past couple months to really prune my heart, mm. uh, to let me know what I am plugged into, and when I am focused on uh, COVID statistics, and and my joy relies on the ultimate hope of a vaccine. All it takes is a, a bad article about, well, now there's some side effects in this trial. It's not probably going to play out. And then my whole mm. world's crumbled. Seems and a I'm, pharmacist. And I'm in a, a terrible mood, right? <laughs> uh, versus a man who meditates, instead of meditating on the details of, of the next big news article, of the next event in this other state, uh, instead when I meditate, and I'm not saying ignore those things. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm saying when I, when I am meditating on the law of the Lord and I'm delighting in it, and it is abiding in me and he is... He is abiding in me and I in him. Uh, that came through, well, the spirit, of course, and the work of Jesus, but memorizing Psalm 1. It's given me a plumb line that I run to to say, okay, do you look like this tree that withers or do you look like one who bears fruit in its season? Yeah, so what are you immersed in? Yeah. That's how you can apply that. If you're a millennial, is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? What has your mind most often... What is, what I, I think about um, a John Piper quote, he talks about what comes to your mind when it's in neutral. Hmm. When, I, when I shift down, I'm not running, what's there? What's on the tip of my tongue? Am I cherishing and enjoying and listening to God through his word? Or am I being formed, discipled, and shaped by whatever the world is trying to throw at us, our flesh included? So um, practically, easy way to abide, listen to God in, in his word. By reading it, studying it, memorizing it, have him abide in you by cherishing it in your heart. Psalm 1 he quoted by meditating on it day and night. But then it's a relationship. And you see this here, ask whatever you wish. We also get to talk to God. Hmm. And so we get to abide in him by prayer. How do you both practically pursue God in prayer? Do you do it on your knees in the closet for extended periods of time? Do you do it when you're driving in the car? How do you pray with your wife? Let me see how much time we have because we could spend, oh, we don't have that much time. Give us your favorite way that you uh, 
pursue abiding by prayer? E.J. Uh, right now it's on the treadmill at about 5.45 in the morning. Usually it's not while I'm running. It's usually in a closet. Uh, but I packed on a COVID-19 myself, and I've been trying to work that <laughs> off. So about 5.45 in the morning on the treadmill, talking to him. Hmm. Yeah, lifting it up, asking him to make me more like Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's the alone prayer. I think there's the consciousness of being connected to the vine throughout the course of the day where you're having an ongoing conversation with God, with your eyes wide open, maybe during a conversation. Uh, but, um, you know, I think in this parenting season of life, nighttime is a is a big prayer time in our house. Uh, besi- like besides my private time with God, you know, usually we put the little boys to bed, the the five and two-year-old first, and then we put the big boys to bed, the the eight and ten-year-old, and then Sydney. And sometimes we do that corporately uh, with the big three. So sometimes those are three different prayer sessions, yeah. uh, and those all can all be fruitful. Uh, I'll be specific, mostly centered around them and and praying blessing over them or praying about the junk in their life. And then there's me and Sarah, the nights where my eyes are open, you know, <laughs> longer than 30 seconds after I hit the pillow. That's good. But then, you know, then Sarah and I get our time together. Uh, and so, you know, there's uh, different ways that, that we that we as a Burke family practically go to the Lord. Um, but we try to make that consistent. We try to make it meaningful, not ritualistic. Uh, but there's no secret form to it. I mean, we're just talking to God about yeah. stuff going on in our heart and the, the, the lives of the people around us. And, um you know, we're, we're prayerful that that'll bear a lot of good fruit. Yeah. And, and I will say for the young parents out there, like Galatians, like do not grow weary in that because some nights it will make you want to like, <laughs> I have screamed at my kids during prayer. So just confession here, like yeah. it, it, it can be weary when you're like, really? That was your prayer? Yeah. You hope the pool time tomorrow goes good? Which like I hope it does, you know. Help us have fun at the pool tomorrow. That was your prayer, you know. Don't grow weary. I've prayed Don't for worse things. I'll say it. Uh, so I, to summarize real quickly, for those of you who don't know who Jesus is yet, you might not trust him or you're figuring it out, here's what I would suggest. You can abide. You can hear his voice, learn who he is as he reveals himself through his word and pray to him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. For those of you who are believers, um, I, being in men's ministry, I hear a lot of guys talk about busyness. I can be I can have a proclivity to let busyness push out abiding. Listen to this quote real quick from John Bloom. God appointed prayer as the chief of the disciplines precisely because he designed it to undermine our self-sufficient pride. Hmm. Prayer, and in this case, reading God's word, humbling ourselves to God's word, requires profound humility and faith to exercise. It appears foolish and weak to the worldly wise and strong, to the busy, It's the posture of a dependent child or beggar. And since its productivity can't be quantified, it can look like a waste of time. But Mm. fellas, if we're going to bear fruit, we need to abide by listening to him and his word and being in relationship with him in prayer. Last verse reads this. By this, by abiding, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So it is fruit bearing and proving to be disciples that brings glory to God. Uh, Sam, glory is a word we talk about in the church a good bit. What does is, what is glorifying God look like here? What does that mean? I would just say for the sake of brevity, we could just 
also say here praising, magnifying, celebrating, uh, to esteem, to honor, uh, to, to acknowledge who he is, yeah. essentially. Like, uh, you know, I- I- if the vine is the only source of life um, and everything within Burke's own individual nature is, is to embrace an argument, but I, I see him resist as he's reminding himself internally, it's to a, to a man's glory to overlook an offense. And I see him abiding in Christ and I see the fruit of that patience and that self-control come out. I know, because I know Chris, I know that is God at work in him. Mm-hmm. That brings God glory because it reveals who he is and it shows that he, it's true. He is who he claims mm-hmm. to be. He is able. That brings him glory. Uh, at at Jana Roby's visitation for the things that, that Kyle was told about her life in the midst of the suffering she endured, um, it proves God to be faithful and to be true. Uh, it bears witness to the world around us of who he is when we truly ab- abide. It glorifies him. Yeah. When you mentioned this verse last week, Matthew seven sixteen, Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Hmm. And I, we gotta, this can be tricky for people uh, at times. You can't produce fruit to prove you're a disciple, but by abiding and uh, fruit being produced through you, mm-hmm. there's where you see your identity. So your, our, our identity as sons of God, it's tethered to kingdom responsibility, but we can't work our way to it. Mm-hmm. Christ says, I'm the true vine. I'm the source of your identity and uh, the actions that, that follow from that. Who we are results in the fruit we bear. And it goes round and the cycle and round. goes and goes. Mm-hmm. So, if we do not abide in Christ, we can do nothing. And we'll inevitably face um, the judgment of God. But if we abide in him, knowing through scripture, knowing him through prayer, he will abide in you. And the fruit of him, of his spirit, will not only lead us to um, joy, peace, hope, happiness, fulfillment, but it also glorifies our Father. In, in revealing him to the world who he's asked us to, to take the light to. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're called to, fellas. Burke, will you pray for us? I will. Okay. <clears throat> Father God, uh, what a powerful word this morning that um, through you um, we can uh, bear fruit that uh, points people to you. And I pray that the men um, that hear this message will rest in the purpose of that and in the uh, simplicity of that, God, which is that you love us, that you want to have a relationship with us, and that through our acceptance of your grace, we can receive your Holy Spirit uh, in such a way that when we stay connected to you, uh, we can make you known. Well, what greater purpose is that, God? What greater purpose is there for us as your children uh, to point people to a a loving God uh, that wants to have a relationship with them, knowing that that is for our good and the good of others, um, and that um, that is fruit that will last, God. That is a a life worth living. And so we are grateful for that, God. In a a world that um, points us a lot of different directions, God, we want to point people to you. Um, And so would you give us the intentionality Um, to draw near to you, uh, knowing that you're faithful to draw near to us. Uh, And God, would you use us to bear fruit in your name for your glory, God. Would the the city of Louisville, would the relationships that we have, uh, 
be better, be be more Christ-like because of our faithfulness to bear fruit in your name. God, would you use us for your glory? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.